Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. My name is Michael Bradley. I am your host, and this is a show where nearly each and every episode, we look at a Superman and Batman team-up from throughout the years, with those team-ups mostly being chosen at random from the pages of World's Finest Comics. Before I tell you what issue we're looking at this episode, though, I am joined by another special guest. So please welcome to the show, fresh from the 1990s, Mr. Sean Engel. Hey there, Michael. I'm I'm really proud to have traveled all the way back to this wonderful Bronze Age of comics to uh, to cover this exceptional issue to today. Well, I in my bell-bottom pants and my Afro haircut welcome you. So uh, don't talk about Afro haircuts. I could show <coughs> pictures of me in the seventies. That well, actually in the eighties, I looked like the fifth or the sixth member of the Jackson Five. It was. <laughs> I think you should post those on Facebook. No, I should not. Hashtag Throwback Thursday. <laughs> so, um, if I can delay just another few seconds, I just want to tell the folks in the audience out there what a dedicated podcaster Sean is. Because when Sean and I were trying to figure out what issue to cover, he confessed that he didn't own any issues of World's Finest Comics. So, instead of just turning down the invite, he went out to his local comic shop and bought a vintage issue of World's Finest Comics with virtually no knowledge of the story inside so that we could discuss it. So I just want to really thank you for like going the extra mile. And- oh, no problem. I wanted to sort of uh, keep along with the idea of the randomness of this issue. Yeah. So uh, I def- uh, this of the show, so I definitely wanted to pick out something random. And it, the cover was the thing that just drew me into that. And I'm certain we'll get into that when we uh, talk more about the comic. Now, did you know who the writer was of this? Uh, yes. about covering one by him. Yes, in fact, I did know. Uh, in fact, I, I went and checked uh, on Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics, which you can find at uh, dcindexes.com, uh, to see who the writer was this. And when I found out that it was Bob Haney, I knew that this had to be the book that I picked. Yeah. Because if there's anything that uh, captures my imagination – it's Bob Haney wackiness. So, uh, so the book Sean has picked out for us is World's Finest Comics number two twenty, which, according to Mike's Amazing World of Comics, was released on August sixteenth, nineteen seventy three, and it's got a November December nineteen seventy three cover date and thirty two pages for the price of twenty cents. The issue was edited by Murray Boltonoff and has a. Fairly eye-catching cover by the great Nick Cardi. Uh, why don't you describe the cover for him? Well, essentially, the cover is uh, a very swamp thing-looking character holding back our two title heroes of Superman and Batman in his right arm, exclaiming to the uh, readers, Look at me! Was I not once beautiful? As he looks upon a painting of a very uh, voluptuous, very beautiful-looking Spanish lady. The only thing is... The character that's holding back uh, Batman and Superman is obviously male, <laughs> barrel-chested and very strong-armed. So why has this strange swamp thing-like creature turned from a female to a male? This is something I think only uh, only Bob Haney could explain to us. Yeah. I kind of like this cover. I mean, like I said, it's very eye-catching. I, I really don't have too much to say about it beyond that. Um like you said, I think it's very possible and 
possibly even intended that uh, a reader could mistake this for Swamp Thing mm-hmm. because Swamp Thing had just debuted um, pretty recently when this comic came out. So, yeah, the only other thing that I caught on the cover, and I don't know if this is just a miscoloration on my cover or yours, but if you look at Batman's uh, right boot, it looks like oh. he may have borrowed it from uh, Green Lantern because it's <laughs> miscolored there. I had not noticed that before, and, and now that I see it, I cannot unsee it. Yeah, it's kind of weird. His his boot is uh, green instead of blue, so that's a bit odd, but hmm. there you go. Well, turning inside, our 13-page uh, lead story has credits that include a story by the aforementioned Bob Haney and art by Dick Dillon and Murphy Anderson. In their fantastic careers, Superman and Batman have met and mastered every kind of creature – both natural and unnatural. But here, they encounter a beast being so strange, so different, as to defy their wildest imaginings and vaunted powers. Come, follow them now, as they answer the cryptic cry, Let no man write my epitaph. And we begin with Superman in a swamp, locked in battle with a fearsome muck monster. And when I say locked in battle, I mean locked in battle as they spend two huge speech balloons explaining that. But suddenly, Batman emerges from his Bat-Sub. Not taking time to explain how he got his Bat-Sub into a swamp, the Dark Knight pleads with Superman to stop fighting, because the creature he's fighting is a human being. Through off-panel exposition that's then explained on-panel, we learn that the creature, who Superman insists on calling El Monstro, is actually Carlotta Esteban, she describes herself as, quote, a tender girl, innocent of all evil, wronged by wicked men. She then eats some leaves, possibly the same ones Bob Haney was smoking when he wrote this, and <laughs> lights glow and colors swirl, and the monster is changed into a beautiful woman, her original form, but now one she can only keep temporarily. When her monstrous form returns, Carlotta explains the temporary nature of her more feminine side, and then is all like, peace out, yo, and leaves to wreak vengeance on her enemies. And apparently this is where the last issue ended, which might explain why Superman and Batman just stood around the swamp instead of, you know, following the rage-filled monster intent on murder and mayhem. But either way, Batman and Superman... No. Either way, Superman and Batman talk about what they've just learned. Superman throws a hissy fit when Batman implies that Superman isn't human and can't understand revenge. Which leads Superman to show just how human he is by smashing a tree to splinters with one punch. We then learn the reason the world's finest were sent to the swamp to begin with is to search for a lost Nazi sub filled with treasure. Mm-hmm. Again, how a Nazi sub wound up in an American swamp isn't really explained. It's Planet Haney, Jake. It's Planet Haney. <laughs> but our heroes decide to continue their search and do the best thing characters can do in a team-up and go their separate ways. We find out that Batman already has found the sub and determines to stop Carlotta instead. Superman, meanwhile, knows Batman has found the sub but decides to keep looking for it anyway. Flash forward a full day. Yes, a full day later. And another drama unfolds downriver, as a peasant is hassled by the rich Don Ernesto Rivera, 
and a lawyer concerning a living place the peasant has built on land the rich guy claims he owns. Things escalate, and Rivera starts to drag the peasant behind his horse, when Batman intervenes, saving the man. The lawyer fires a gun at Batman, but El Monstro appears from nowhere, saving Batman and chasing away the thugs. After giving a rallying speech to the peasants, El Monstro goes after Rivera, despite Batman's pleas to, you know, not do that. The Dark Knight follows, taking his good sweet time in order to give the audience plot exposition through inner monologue. He thinks about how Rivera is unaware that El Monstro is actually Carlotta, who he framed for killing her own father. He thinks about how Carlotta's father used to own the land where all this is happening, and he thinks about how the world doesn't know that Carlotta was a girl because she spent her entire life masquerading as a boy. He thinks about going down to Five Guys after all this is over for a burger because he's kind of hungry and hasn't eaten much all day. And he thinks about just what the hell Bob Haney was smoking when he wrote this muddy mess of a comic book. But soon the masked man hunter catches up with Carlotta in the attic of an old house where he sees a huge 10-foot painting of Carlotta in both her male masquerade and regular womanly forms. Because once again, that cover image has got to come from somewhere. While Batman is drooling over Carlotta's visage, he's confronted by Carlotta, who calls him a perv and tells him, hey, my eyes are up here. No, I'm just kidding. But he is confronted by Carlotta. Batman pleads with her to forget her quest for vengeance. But Carlotta says she's already a marked woman, and a muck monster's gotta do what a muck monster's gotta do. She then backhands Batman across the room and stomps off. Later, we catch up with, with Rivera and his lackey, who are busy bragging about how fortified their home is and how El Monstro could never get them there, when Carlotta busts through the wall and starts kicking bad guy butt. Bullets and a poorly trained security team can't stop her, and Carlotta throws the lawyer out the window before charging after Rivera. The shyster rides off, trying to make an escape, but is soon caught up to by a horse-riding Batman as well as Carlotta herself. Rivera gets the upper hand, though, soon causing a landslide, which buries all three under piles of rock. Conveniently, the boulders kill Rivera, but Carlotta revives and is able to free Batman. Meanwhile, miles away, completely missing the point, but finally showing up again in the story because, hey, it's about over, Superman has finally found the Nazi sub. He starts pushing the sub to the surface when he's hit by depth charges fired from a random helicopter, which atomized the sub and knocks Superman off his guard. Back with Batman, because those three panels of Superman go a long way to balance out the 15 pages we just had with Batman, the Dark Knight is being carried by El Monstro when a government helicopter flies overhead, firing down a form of gas. Carlotta screams in pain, and Batman realizes the gas is defoliant, which is killing her. Batman tries to get the helicopter to stop, even going so far as to lasso it with the bat rope, because, yeah, that's going to do something, but it's no use. Slowly, Carlotta plunges into the water, soon dissolving and withering away to nothing. El monstro, Carlotta, she's gone. How pitiful. Yep, and the sub and the treasure, too. Well, at least the peons of Esteban Rancho got something out of it. That's a small bit of ironic justice. I guess our mission's ended. But how in blazes can you sum up that creature's incredible story? No man can write her epitaph, old friend. As always, death has the final word. 
recreating the well I, I didn't do I didn't do my best Christian Bale voice but I, I attempted it yeah um I can't say that I'm sorry that I picked this one out but yeah this one was probably not the best uh world's finest comic out there because really there wasn't much going on between the world's finest except them being kind of bitchy with each yeah. other yeah. yeah I mean um this is one of those things where I guess you shouldn't judge a book by its cover because the cover by Nick Carty was really great. I mean, uh, just the mystery of what the heck's going on with this Swamp Thing-like character, looking at this painting, holding back our two heroes, it, it, it draws you in. But then you get into the comic itself, and it's just weird. There's just a lot of stuff that I don't understand, and I don't know if maybe those questions would be cleared up had I read the previous issue. Um, like I said on previous episodes, when I do have a, a multi-part storyline, I don't bother going back to read the previous um, installments because I just I just want to focus on this one issue. But um, I don't know. That's just a lot of. Um, it's just a muddy mess, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to get into the page by page, I will start off on a positive note uh, that I really like the opening. Um, the dialogue between Superman and El Monstro being, you know, evenly matched is, is really heavy handed, but Superman slugging it out with a giant monster is a great way to start a story. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Uh, and I think the artwork. Uh... The artwork from Dick Dillon, it's not bad, but you it, when you see the cover by Cardi, you were hoping the interior is by Cardi as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has the characters down. They're the classic styles, and they look good. But El Monstro is just weird, especially, especially from the cover into the book, because on the cover, it's a very Swamp Thing-looking person, you know, a Swamp Thing-looking male, just two legs and everything. But when we get into the interior of the book... El Monstro has grown a third leg. Now, take that as you will, a female transforming into something else and growing a third leg, but this is a bit extreme, I have to admit. Is the Does the third leg continue throughout the issue? I, I it believe it oh, is, man, yeah. I didn't even, oh, wow. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, I, I, How did yeah I because miss I... That? I was caught off guard by the cover. I said, you know, until I started, I went back and reread it and I was like, why in the world does this thing have three legs? And then I, throughout the entirety of the book, yeah, the creature El Monstro is a tri-legged. So yeah, take from that what you will, whether that be Haney making a uh, subtle reference to something or what. And when we say third leg, it actually is a third leg. That's yes, a euphemism. It's, it, it's not, it's not, we're but not I talking about a euphemism. 
well, it could be a euphemism, but it is, is yes, correctly, is actually a third leg with a foot and everything. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, see, now, the, the third leg aside, I kind of liked the art. Uh, like I said in a previous episode, I'm not the, the um, biggest fan of Dick Dillon, but I think um, Murphy Anderson inking this really helped. Because um, if you compare it to the art in the uh, Super Sons issue I looked at, or that Emily and I looked at a couple episodes ago, this is just a lot better. And you can see a lot of Anderson, especially in the faces. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The the faces, I mean, the faces look uh, traditional, especially especially Superman. Mm-hmm. He looks like the traditional Superman that I know from this era. So I think Anderson does definitely do a lot of good in inking the book. Yeah. Um, I've got on page two that, yeah, Superman is just really being kind of a jerk to El Monstro. He's got on panel two here, he's like, well, I don't buy it. It's a genuine brute with a heart as evil and ugly as its face. Holy yeah. cow, Superman. Yeah. My, my first note for this page was, panel one, we're only on page, panel three of the story, and Superman's already coming off as a dick. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, with he's known in this era for the super dickery and I know they've got that blog still going but this doesn't do anything to diminish that ideal of yeah. him it's kind of sad and a lot of the super dickery blog is taking covers out of context mm-hmm. but this is actually in a story yeah and I'm noticing a lot in, in Haney's stories that that's that's how his Superman comes off he just comes off as really uh, especially the dialogue just comes off really uptight and unfriendly Mm-hmm. Well, and it also has that sort of Haney feel of trying to be hip in, uh trying to be of the era, but not really quite getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll kind of uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to pick out a specific point in here. But Superman will say, like, oh, you know, things that just don't seem in character for him. Yeah. Um, I, I will say on the third page here where Superman just throws a temper tantrum after Batman calls him not human. Yeah, I didn't really punches a tree. Um, yeah, it, it's th- that whole conversation is very out of character for both Superman and Batman, and and not in the good zany Haney way either. No, and and I I agree. That's that's kind of what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be just out there, kind of weird Haneyness, and it was just not fun Haneyness. Yeah. So, if that makes any sense. Um. Superman, he's not human biologically, but he was raised human. And, and and to me, that's a major part of Superman's character. And if you start saying that Superman can't comprehend human emotions, you you just miss the entire character, in my opinion. Exactly. Uh, it, you know, his, his being raised by the Kents definitely does make him attuned to what humans have to deal with. And I think that's the the thing that makes Superman so great is he's this incredibly powerful alien being who can at this time move planets. Yeah. And yet he's able to relate so much to the human condition. It's what makes him such a wonderful character. Yeah. Uh, Can we go back to page two just real quick? Yes. I just want to say, I think they, I felt like they really rushed through um, El Monstro or Carlotta's origin for lack of a better term here. And maybe it was explained more in the previous issue, but I would – because the the note in the last panel leads me to believe that these first two pages are a complete recap. But I would have preferred more explanation because I got lost here, and this is 
we're on page two of the story, so we're already starting on shaky ground, which is never good. No, I agree, and I do think that it does kind of falter in this story from being a, a either a part two of a story, or it, I think it would have benefited if we would have had the ability to read the issue prior to this. But yeah, coming in and picking this up and not really knowing and getting this sort of shorthand description of what went on with this character really does do a disservice to the story. Yeah. And then we get into page three again with the Nazi sub, and I, I, don't, I don't understand whether there's a Nazi sub in a swamp. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got to kind of think that this is maybe South America because the people are – uh, Hispanic in nature, or at least South American in nature. So you might think that it could have made it up a river, but even oh, South America. But e- even if it did anyway. make it in a river, I, I, uh, it is pretty implausible to get a sub, yeah, in a river. But <laughs> it's it's Planet Haney, Jake. It's, it's a really big river, Planet Haney. Yes, it's it's an immense river <laughs> that you can hide subs and. You know, Aztec villages and whatever else. Yeah, just go with it. I'd also like to point out that this is page three, and after this page, Superman appears in six panels throughout <laughs> the entire rest of the story. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I picked this up and read it for the first time, I was like, "Man, this is not really much of a Superman Batman team up." So, again, uh, a mea culpa goes out to you for picking the. Uh, least amount of uh, Superman Batman in your Superman Batman podcast. So, oh well, sorry. Don't, don't feel bad about it. I mean, it would have gotten covered eventually anyway, presumably. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, it, it just it feels a lot like the Dead Man story that I covered, the very first Haney story I looked at on the show. Mm-hmm. In that, I'm not sure why Superman's in this at all because it feels like a Batman story that Superman was wedged into. Yeah, well, I had uh, something similar like that uh, a while back, actually dealing with Dead Man, mm-hmm. in on my show uh, Just One of the Guys, where there was a Dead Man issue. There was a Green Lantern issue where Dead Man appeared in it, and it essentially felt like a Dead Man issue. Yeah. So this one feels more like a Batman story that Superman just happens to be around for a couple of panels. So it's not really much of a world's finest book. Uh, page four, we're introduced to Rivera and his lawyer and the peasants. And again, I feel like we're coming into the middle of a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the whole idea of these peasants being brought the gold from the Nazi ship. Yeah, it, it you're, you're dropped into this without really knowing what's going on. So unless you read the prior story to this, you know, you are kind of confused at what's going on. It's it doesn't. It doesn't help the story by not knowing what's going on from the prior book. Right. On a more positive note, page five, artistically, I think this is a great page. Both Batman and El Monstro look great. Uh, the action is very dynamic, and it's it's a really well-constructed page in the storytelling because you could take away the dialogue and know exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I agree. I think I – think, uh, I think it – the, the the framing of the panels works really well. El Monstro looks good. Uh, Dylan's Batman looks good. The capes, I, I like the cape. It's a bit flowing in uh, the third panel, mm-hmm. but um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a good it's, design. It's really windy. Oh, that works. <laughs> well, it's 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 hot and muggy. It's around the swamp. It's windy. Sure, we can go with that. Oh yeah. 
And I will say, I really, the third leg aside, I do like um, the the interior look of El Monstro. It's a very, uh, it's very simple and clean design. Yeah, it's not as elaborate as you'd see in later uh, Swamp Thing type. Uh, the Swamp Thing type look, or Almost, yeah, or or the or the kind of stuff that you'd see over in Marvel with Man Thing. It's it's a very simple design, just sort of green, very mossy look. But I think it conveys it really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, page six, <laughs> more stuff. I just don't understand. I, why was Carlotta forced to masquerade as a boy? Why did Rivera kill Carlotta's father and frame her? Were these explained in the previous issue, or did Haney just? not care to explain them it, it... I, I put my money on the ladder yes <laughs> it's just Haney came up with something nutty and he decided to write it down and there you go she was a boy uh, speaking of page 7 we see this giant 10 foot painting did she commission that or <laughs> I don't know but uh, I, should should I feel uncomfortable that I kind of like the look of her as a boy I mean I mean there it's it's good art but you know she doesn't look bad in that sort of gaucho get up either I mean yeah, kind of hippie yeah that's that's yeah but how can you yeah you look at that and you kind of think that is either you know the most effeminate man out there or that is a woman in drag but yeah. either way you know there there you go hmm. uh, page eight. I really, really love the panel of El Monstro smashing through the wall. Yeah, that's reaching right towards the camera, for lack of a better word. Uh, when I when I saw that the first time, I was taken back to sort of a very Kirby look. It, it mm-hmm. does have that sort of uh, Fantastic Four, uh, you know, the thing coming at you, smashing through something. So it it's got that sort of uh, with the the arm out in front of it, that uh, just the dynamism of it. It looks really good. And now that I'm seeing this again. I, I'm not sure how I missed the third leg when I was going through it, reading the story and my note. That's hmm. well, and it's it took me it took me a second read through as well. So don't don't feel bad about it. But now I can't. Un- much like Batman's green boot on the cover, now I can't unsee it. Yeah. So, hmm. uh, page nine. Carlotta chucks a dude out a second story window, which made me laugh. And it's another page of of nicely. Uh, the, the art is nice as far as the storytelling goes. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, uh, in a couple of the panels, it looks like Dylan, it, at least the way that El Monstro is coming at the camera, it looks like Dylan isn't drawing her left arm or or that her left arm is flung behind her so much. It's just, for me, it was a yeah. bit awkward, especially in that fourth panel there. Yeah, it's, know, it's, they're shooting at them. It's that way on the cover, too. Yeah, it does kind of look like she doesn't have a uh, left arm there because maybe, maybe that's one of the things that you know because three um, legs and, and one arm maybe the the third leg was supposed to be an arm just I'm trying to look because I'm looking at going back at all of the stuff it looks like that might be the case because I'm I'm looking at yeah I think that might be it because if you look at all the other images here in the book She's got her right arm and then three legs. Yeah, that's bizarre. It's all get out. Well, I you know one more thing that I didn't even notice, huh? I just thought that might have been just a an art mistake that uh, Dylan was just being kind of lazy. But no, that's actually you know them putting some thought into it. Yeah, uh, 
no no right no left arm and one extra leg so weird that works except in the cover where she's missing a leg yeah that's true mm-hmm. well uh, cardi didn't get the memo i guess <laughs> um page 11 superman finally returns just in the nick of time because the story's about over mm-hmm. but who is firing these depth charges uh the central american government i don't know uh is that a government helicopter too that noriega i don't know uh i don't know because that helicopter because it changes from uh on page 11 it's uh like a a carrier plane that's dropping the uh depth charges and the next one on the next page it's a helicopter oh, it so a plane there i said helicopter in my synopsis I, I think it's meant to be two separate it could be that because yeah the plane's dropping the depth charges that uh knock superman out and conveniently blow up the uh the sub which had all the gold that it must have been from the last issue, but then it's uh, it's blow the heli- it up, atomize it. Yes, of course, because yes, that's what depth charges do. They mm-hmm. completely atomize things. Yes. So, um, yeah, but uh, weird. I, I wouldn't know what. Uh, I can only assume it's just some government entity that doesn't want you know the people of this nation to have uh, the gold, yeah. or maybe it's just the Nazis. Who who knows? They're all down in South America, aren't they? <laughs> They're somewhere. Okay. Uh, on page twelve, it actually does. Batman does say that the helicopter that fires the uh, the defoliant is a government helicopter. Okay. Well, there you go. So, but yeah, the, it's but the plane. I don't. It doesn't really specify. Oh well. Anyway, at this point, I'm not sure. It really matters. <laughs> we we've got one page left. Let's just barrel through it. Yes. Yes. Uh, page twelve. This might be a weird comment, but I really like the coloring on this page. The, the blues and the yellows and the, the greens and grays, they really work together to make an attractive-looking page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I'm looking at that second panel, that uh, face of El Monstro. That definitely looks very – it looks very Swamp Thing, but also it looks kind of Martian Manhunter as well. Mm-hmm. So, But uh, yeah, this has got to be a horrible way to, to – to go away and also you've got to think Batman's breathing in a lot of that uh, I've got to assume for this time it's got to be maybe Agent Orange could be so uh, you know uh, maybe this could explain why uh, Damien came out to be sort of a little douche <laughs> maybe that could be the explanation for that this uh, defoliant that Batman breathed in you know messed up his uh, all Bob Haney's fault yes Bob Haney gave us Damien being a douche thanks Bob and page 13, Superman again cl- completely misses the point and comes off as a total dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of sad because you expect Superman, you expect better from Superman, especially, oh, yeah. you know, he's supposed to be the shining light of the DC universe. And throughout most of this, it's Batman who's being the, uh, the caring and sort of forgiving one. So that's, that's weird. But, uh, yeah, uh, it wasn't the uh, greatest issue. I expected more fun Bob Haney than just what the freak <laughs> Bob Haney. Yeah. But it was it was something that we read. Yeah. I mean, it, I feel a little bad being so hard on it. Well. Because I realize I'm coming into it without having read 219. 
Well, but, you know, that's kind of the thing that you get when you're doing these random issues. You don't specifically know whether it's going to be in the middle of a storyline. I mean, I guess you could go look that kind of stuff up. But, you know, when you're just picking up uh, comics off the rack at this time, this could be, you know, a comic that just uh, caught your eye and you pick it up and you have to have some sort of explanation for what's going on. And Haney tries I guess, to give you that explanation, but it may not be the best explanation of all. Yeah. And whenever I cover 219 on the show, whenever it comes up, I'll try to keep in mind to come and revisit this briefly and see if it actually clarifies anything. But That'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, if you don't have anything else on the issue, I think we're going to take a break, play a couple of promos, and then we'll come back to see uh, what else was in the issue, hopefully better content than this and what else was on the stands sounds good hey jeff hey mike man it sure is great to be back to from crisis to crisis after all this time it's been a busy year for both of us for very different reasons but now we're ready to cover the post death and return superman stories Yeah, and we're about to start the books that came out in 1994, which means that we have so much to look forward to, like Bizarro's World. The Battle for and Fall of Metropolis. Superman Doomsday, Hunter, Prey. Worlds Collide. Well, you're looking forward to that one. Oh, bite me. Zero hour. Zero month. And right there at the end, we have Dead Again. And don't forget, the Elseworlds annuals as well. Well, most of them, anyway. Yeah, 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 some of those really did suck, don't they? But From Crisis to Crisis is back. New episodes will drop on Thursday, just like before. You can find the show at the Superman homepage, www.supermanhomepage.com, as well as at the Superman Podcast Network, which is at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. And we also have a Facebook page that you can like by going to www.facebook.com slash From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. Dot com. Is it dot com on there? No. No, no, it's not. No, no dot com. Forget that. <laughs> so from crisis to crisis is back, folks, and better than ever. Well, I'm better than ever. You need some work. No, shut up. No, you 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 shut up. From crisis to crisis, a Superman podcast covering the post-crisis adventures of Superman one half month at a time. Every Thursday at www.supermanhomepage.com and www.fortressofbailytude.com. Wow, I'm really glad I decided to pony up and take my wife to Italy for her birthday. The food, the sights, the atmosphere, it's all just so perfect. (sighs) Too bad I had to ask if there was a comic book shop located at the Vatican. Uh, Maybe it wasn't the brightest thing to do on her birthday, but... Granted, I'm certain I've done things way more foolish than that. Good afternoon. Gah! Where did you come from, and who the heck are you? My name is Dufo Demanzo, and where I come from is none of your concern. What is of your concern is that I have an offer to make of you. An offer that you should not refuse. Uh, okay. What is it? I have listened to your podcast. And it just so happens that I am in the podcasting business myself. Someday I will ask a favor of you, one that I hope you will repay to me in good faith. When you do so, you will become a part of my family, 
and your show will prosper along with it. Oh, that sounds great. What do I need to do? You will know when the time is right. Until then, I wish you and your lovely wife the happiest of times in my fair country. Uh, oh, okay, cool. Some time has passed. And that does it for another episode of Just One of the Guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and I'll catch you all next week. Bravo. Bravo. God! How how the hell did you find me, and how did you get in my house? Do not worry yourself with such trivial matters. I have seen your work with this podcast, and I have come to accept the favor that is owed to me. Uh, but you never said what you wanted from me. That is true, so let me restate it now. Wait, what? I have started up a brand new podcasting venture entitled Two True Freaks. I am setting them up with their own website, twotruefreaks.com. And I am gathering a podcast such as yours that have gained my favor to become a part of the Two True Freaks podcast network. I will do the honor of putting the Just One of the Guys on the Two True Freaks network. And in return, our debt will be settled. Oh, okay. Hey, wait, what debt? Do you accept my offer? Uh, sure. I mean, does this mean I'll get paid for the show finally? No. Oh, okay. Well, does it mean I'll get some cannoli? Of course. The Demanzo family originated cannoli. In fact, we are known the world over for our stuffing of creamy fillings into tubes. Come check out Just One of the Guys every Friday at Two True Freaks. Surprisingly, or maybe not, this story has never been reprinted. Uh, The only other feature in the issue is a seven-page metamorpho story titled Tears of an Elephant... Elephant Man. Tears of an (laughs) Element Man. (laughs) Uh, I am not an element man. (laughs) Did you, did you read the Meta- Metamorpho story? Yeah, I read it. It it was a bit more of the fun Bob Haney kind of stuff, but uh, it really does have a bunch of dickery in it. I mean, uh, Metamorpho is kind of a dick to uh, Stag's manservant, who I guess happens to be a Neanderthal. Uh, Stag is kind of a dick to his daughter because she's being held for ransom and uh, – he doesn't pay it up or he pays it with counterfeit money. And uh, it ends with, you know, uh, Sapphire, Stag's daughter, basically dying and Metamorpho bringing her back to life by crying on her. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the kind of Bob Haney stuff that I'm expecting out of a comic. <laughs> but, yeah, it and, and didn't that happen in Smallville? I'm certain with it Chloe? did. Chloe, Chloe. <laughs> Chloe's uh, Magic Tears of Healing. I'm, I'm being absolutely serious here. There was an episode where they were trying to give Chloe's superpowers, and um, I think it was Lois that died, and Chloe cried on her, and she came back to life. Oh, dear Lord, I must have missed that one. See, I, I have missed a lot from about season three. I missed about season three to season seven, and I started up around season eight and watched again, mm-hmm. so... I need to go pick that. You know, uh, I'm certain I know over on the Two True Freaks site, Trenchless Magnus is going to be covering that. So it'll give me an impetus for going back and uh, checking out some of those old episodes of Smallville. Yeah, I, I watched it um, 
Smallville. I watched Smallville all while it was airing live. There there might have been, you know, months where I didn't see it, but I, I pretty much saw every episode. Um, but I haven't seen anything since it ended. I'm kind of waiting. I figure I'll wait a few more years and then come into it a little more fresh because right now there's just still a lot of baggage from all the bad. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, can, you know, I completely understand. Uh, Smallville is one of those very controversial shows. I mean, it's... It's obviously important that it ran uh, 10 seasons and it uh, yeah. basically shaped a lot of people's opinion oh, yeah. of what Superman should be. But uh, for a lot of older fans of Superman, I think we were kind of on that wagon of, come on, get to being Superman. You know, mm-hmm. we want to see you do Superman things. And, you know, I don't think we necessarily really 100% got that in the show so that's kind of the prevailing feeling that I think a lot of older fans have yeah Uh, but getting back into the issue there's not really many ads in the issue to talk about mostly just your normal hodgepodge and cheap mail away junk Uh, there's a two page center spread ad for the record club of America which is kind of awesome you can get six LPs or, or five tapes for 99 cents and when they say LPs, they actually mean LPs, as in vinyl, put it on a turntable, got to have a needle, hope it doesn't skip, LPs. So. Mm-hmm. And not only can you get uh, tapes, you can get cartridge or cassette. So you could get your eight tracks of, right. of such fine, fine things as Lobo of a Simple Man and what is it? Yes, Close to the Edge, some, some great stuff there. There was and some I guess, actually good music in there, I thought. Yeah, well, they, they've got yeah, Led Zeppelin, House of the Holy. There you go. They've got the Moody Blues. Smokey uh, Robinson and the Miracles. Mm-hmm. Donny Osmond. Oh, no. No, not Donny. What is Watt Stacks? I have no idea. There you go. Let's ask. Uh, Best of the James Gang. That's always good. Little, uh, oh, who is he from the Eagles? Joe Walsh. And they've got so they've got some other ones they don't have. They've got some. Uh, I saw Rod Stewart and uh, David Bowie images. So, oh, what's what stacks was a um, music festival. Oh, okay. In the early seventies. Uh, looks like it had musicians like um, the Staple Singers, the Barkays, Isaac Hayes. It sounds cool. Yeah, kind of R&B. Oh, but anyway, there's also a subscription ad, a house ad. A subscri- a sub- eh. There's also a house ad that is a subscription ad, which tells us we could have ordered a 15 issue subscription to any title in DC's lineup for three dollars. Fifteen wow. issues for three dollars, not one issue, fifteen. Yeah, it kind of makes you sad, doesn't it? Especially when there's there's a lot of like classic titles going on at this point too. Mm-hmm. But even a bad fifteen issue subscription for three dollars is yeah. Even even if this was one of those issues for three dollars and you got fifteen more of them, I'm certain. <laughs> I'm certain you know out of those fifteen, at least five or so of them would be pretty good so there you go Uh, the issue also has a direct currents page which plugs a 
plethora of DC's then-current output, including goings-on in Supergirl, Action Comics, and Superboy, but no Batman, so take that, Dark Knight. And finally, there's the letters page uh, from the World's Finest Fans, which has letters in response to issues 215 and 217. Um, Now, listeners might remember that I covered, or that Emily and I covered issue 215, which was the debut of the Super Sons back in episode 13. And the comments here are directed toward that issue with people still asking the same question about whether or not the Super Sons stories are in continuity or imaginary. And the editor just kind of repeats verbatim not only the opening of the story, but Haney's column from the back of the book, which states that they are not imaginary, just a heretofore undocumented part of our heroes' lives. Uh Uh-huh. Sure they are. Yeah. Uh, So now it's time to head on over to Mike's Amazing World of Comics at mikesamazingworld.com for a look at what else was on the stands. And there were a lot of good picks this month. Oh, yeah. Um, Right off the top, since we mentioned it uh, at the beginning, Swamp Thing is obviously hitting issue number seven. Mm -hmm. And it's the Len Wein, Bertie Wrightson. And actually, this one looks like from the cover that it stars Batman as we see Batman swinging in there. Yep. Which means Swamp Thing is officially welcomed into the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Justice League number 108 is part two of the Crisis on Earth X story, which reintroduces Uncle Sam and the Freedom Fighters. That's always a nice. I, I, I remember, I think, a while back, uh, and again to tout other shows on the Two True Freaks Network, Tales of the JSA covered this. So that's a, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. And. On a similar vein, uh, the uh, weird what is it? Weird Western Tales number twenty has a Jonah Hex story. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in that, Scott Gardner covered it on the most recent episode of Death and the Acrid Smell of Gunsmoke. Yeah, which that's you a can find over at Two Two Freaks. That is a, a really good cover. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Luis Luis Dominguez, I guess, uh, is cover credited for it, and it's a really moody cover with these. Uh, uh, Native Americans or American Indians coming up behind Jonah as he's lighting a cigarette. Really nice cover. And I think that cover, yeah, it was. That cover was used on the uh, showcase volume. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that, yeah. Uh, the uh, the cover to Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane, actually made me laugh out loud when I saw it because it shows Lois bound and gagged to the front of a truck, which is plummeting over the side of a cliff, and Superman leaping from the cab saying, you wanted to be with me to the end, Lois. This is it. So long. <laughs> oh, Lord, that is wonderful. And what is what is with Lois's outfit there? Is she trying out to be the Scarlet Witch or something? Yeah. In the 70s, they were putting Lois in all this, you know, very contemporary fashions. And Okay, well, there you go then. Huh? I'll maybe give it to been. that. Although that is very, that's like... A bodysuit and like a swimsuit with long sleeve. I'm not sure what the technical term of it is, but yeah, maybe like a a danskin or something. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't wear stuff like that, so I couldn't say. Uh, let's see. Oh, Batman number two fifty three is a book that I would really like to get my hands on someday, as it's the first of two crossovers between Batman and the Shadow. And it's written by Denny O'Neill, who has a definite history with both characters. So 
I imagine it's pretty great. Ah, uh, that yeah, I can imagine that would be great. I I love you know. I used to listen uh, when I was young. My parents had these uh, recordings, and I guess they came from uh, the same people who put out like the Superman uh, radio shows that they put out the Shadow radio shows on tape. Mm. And I used to listen to those, and those were always fun. So wow. yeah, having Batman crossover with the Shadow would be an interesting book to read. And of course, Denny O'Neill writing it—you can't go wrong with that. No. Um, a lot of Kirby stuff. We've got Commandy and the mm-hmm. Demon Boy Commandos, which are the Boy Commandos are reprints, I believe, from the Golden Age. Yeah, yeah. I'm not noticing any limited collector's edition C22 is uh, that was DC's tabloid book, and this one focuses on Tarzan, mm-hmm. which might be cool to have just for the Joe Kubert art in tabloid size. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not noticing any Green Lantern here. I'm not. Uh, he was. Was he? Was it, he? Well, it could out just of, be that. Um, off month. Off month. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, oh. They've got the DC 100 page spectacular that has the Flash in it. Uh, a lot of Flash stories and uh, one with elongated man. So John Broom and Murphy Anderson. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing really pops out. There's, uh, I'm not uh, seeing, I'm, I'm jumping ahead months and I'm not seeing green. Is this when he was a backup in the flash? Let's see. Yeah, I guess it is because they've got, uh, the flash story has a uh, green lantern in it. So, all right. Yeah. There you go. No green lantern. He's a backup. <laughs> yeah. And nowadays, nowadays you've got like, four or five Green Lantern titles and Hmm. back then none so there you go and I guess uh, what the heck is Plop that was one of their humor magazines okay Um, there you go kind of I don't want to say it was like Mad Magazine but it was sort of in the same vein well I guess you've got to kind of assume it was like Mad Magazine because it's it's it's, uh, one of the stories on there is writer and artist Sergio Aragones. So definitely uh, akin to Mad, I would assume. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that uh, some neat stuff in there. Well, next episode, we won't be covering an issue of World's Finest Comics because instead of reading a comic, I'm going to be reading your feedback. Um, by the time you hear this episode, I'll probably have recorded that. But still, feel free to write in and I can read it in the next feedback episode uh so sean thank you very much for coming on this has been a lot of fun and i I would say i hope you can come back but we've already got super top secret plans for a return appearance so oh yes i'm certain can't wait for that i'm certain there will be uh more of michael bradley uh this time dealing with a bit of a green lantern issue hopefully hopefully bob haney will be nowhere near that Eh, you never know that's true bob haney writing kyle rayner would be interesting uh, <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Okay. Uh, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you and your shows? Well, uh, the primary place you could find uh, pretty much anything I do on the internet would be the uh, Two True Freaks website. At twotruefreaks.com, I host my own Green Lantern show called Just One of the Guys, where I cover the Green Lantern comics from 1990 until 2004, primarily focusing on Guy Gardner and Kyle Rayner, who are my favorite Green Lanterns. Unfortunately, Guy Gardner's kind of been relegated to uh, sort of guest spots in the in the series but you know 
Kyle's Kyle's doing a lot of stuff, and I'm really having fun with that. Plus, I also do a couple of co-hosting gigs over there. I do Walking Dead Wednesday, where I talk about the uh, Walking Dead comics and the Walking Dead TV show. I do the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror with uh, Chris Honeywell, uh, the hair metal hero Chris Tyler, and Luke Giaconetti, where we talk about horror movies. Uh, right now, we're coming up on a show that will probably be pretty controversial, a uh, certain Italian film that deals with a Holocaust and uh, cannibals. Yeah. So look forward to that, I guess. Plus, we're also talking about the uh, Friday the 13th movies. And then finally, I do a sort of roundtable show called Who True Freaks, where we talk about Doctor Who, because there aren't enough Doctor Who podcasts on the internet, and I had to do one as well. But other than that, uh, Two True Freaks is pretty much where you can find me on the internet. All right. Definitely check out Sean's – well, check out all of his shows, but definitely check out just one of the guys. It's one of my – and I'm not just saying this because he's here listening, but it, it truly is one of my favorite weekly listens. And- well, I, I really appreciate that, and I, I appreciate you uh, being so kind of having me on the show, especially you know since I didn't have you know specifically a bunch of issues to cover this. You know, I just – randomly picked out one and I was glad that it wasn't absolutely horrible yeah yeah but like I said I felt bad being bad or being so hard on it but I don't know well sometimes you just have to call a spade a spade yeah but that's it I want to thank you all for listening Sean thank you again mm-hmm. and I will talk to you all next time goodbye if I told you what I was would you turn your back on me? And if I seem dangerous, would you be scared? I get the feeling just because everything I touch isn't dark enough that this problem lies in me. I'm only a man with a cable got me. I'm taking a stand to escape what's from the rest Do I have to run and hide Thanks for listening to Superman and Batman hosted by me, Michael Bradley Feedback can be sent to michael at greatcrypton.com I love hearing from listeners so be sure to send your comments questions and other feedback and I will likely read that on a future episode Show notes, information and back episodes can be found at greatcrypton.com Be sure to follow the show via Facebook and Twitter, and subscribe via iTunes or RSS feed so that you never miss an episode. If you subscribe via iTunes, be sure to leave a review. Not only does it help others find the show, but I'd love to read that in a future episode as well. Superman and Batman is a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, home to many great Superman-related podcasts. Be sure to pay them a visit at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Batman was created by Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and both characters are copyright DC Comics. For more about Superman's creators, be sure to visit my blog, Siegel and Schuster Mythmakers, at greatcrypton.com slash Schuster, where I commemorate the lives, works, and legacies of Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. 
I want to thank you again very much for listening and invite you to come back next time for another episode of Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. that this episode was Monster, a 2013 single by Imagine Dragons. Sadly, there is no official video for the song featuring Lou Diamond Phillips as the ringleader of an underground puppet fight club. But if you like the song or other music by the group, I'd still like to suggest you head on over to twotruefreaks.com and click on the Amazon.com banner on their site. Buy the song, an album, or, well, pretty much anything else Amazon has to offer, and two true freaks will get a little commission off every purchase. Not only will you get good music for your library, but it won't cost you anything extra, and it helps support one of the greatest podcast families out there.